listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I am the bubbly gin justice. <laughs> Today, we are so excited to have in studio with us, Shauna Pyfram, the business development executive of Security First Title yes, here sir. in Kansas City, and we're going to be talking about title. So, Shauna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. Glad hey. to be here. Hey, we're so glad to have you. We brave the the cold, right? We're we're recording this in February at the cold snap. We've Whew. got cold. We've got COVID. The Chiefs lost. I mean, there's so many different things that you're, we you're have, unpacking a lot early on here. We, to, we had to overcome. <laughs> Right, to make this exciting, and we're talking about uh, uh, title in our real estate transactions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let me let's as always, let's just jump right into it and let me ask the burning question, which is, what the heck is title? <laughs> title insurance, what is that? Title companies, title insurance, title deed, what does all this mean? Break it down for me a little bit. Sure, well, title insurance was introduced in 1853 to cover banks and mortgage lenders back in that time period where things weren't necessarily as clear and as accessible as they are right now with um, all the information that you can find online and that sort of thing. What it is meant to do is to protect the banks and lenders from any outstanding um things that have not been paid for, if there are any unpaid taxes, if there are liens, any special assessments, um, mechanics liens, any construction costs that have not been covered by the people that have lived in the property. There are so many questions that are coming out of that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) By the people that are selling the property or have lived in it in the past. All right. Um, Let me back up just a little bit. Yeah. So a title which sometimes I think there's different kinds of deeds or titles. There are. Let, let's, this is the the document, I guess. Correct. That that proves ownership of a property. Correct. That proves ownership free and clear of encumbrances. So that that's what we're looking for. Is right. We're looking to make sure, essentially, from a real layman's perspective, we're looking for the. This is the the document that says you own. In our case, you own this house. And the only encumbrances or surprises that you may owe is whatever you've discussed with your lender and or mortgage company and or, you know, county taxes, things that are current and relevant. You don't owe anything to anyone in the past. So encumbrances, typically what you owe, typically in today's day and age, it's about money, but it could be about some other things like access uh, uh, which easements, correct. those kinds of things, mm-hmm. but that's what we're. That's what that's the goal, right? Is is to make sure that the home you're buying and the home you're selling has a free and clear title, and that anybody who has claim to it is somebody that you're making right. I, I think that's okay. Claim to it is somebody correct. is that you are making the agreement with in the moment. So, for example, your mortgage company right. would have claim to it until you pay off the mortgage. Um, so that's what title is. So, so the way someone would think about a title insurance policy is most insurance that you think about is from the date that you get the policy moving forward, you have coverage. What title insurance gives or is able to um, 
provide is that it is from the time you buy the property backwards. We guarantee that any of those uh, monies owed are in the past and that they are all taken care of. Or That's we cover what, them when we close on this baby. Yeah. One right. way or another. If That's you, what the title and policy is for. If we find is, goes into yes. arrears. Yeah. All right. Well, you I don't can... inherit someone else's debt. That's <laughs> kind of a way to put it. Is like if somebody had a state tax lien would be an example or something that got attached to the title that way because they had some type of debt that they owed and that got attached to the property. We want to clear that up before we move forward. Exactly. Well, let me head a couple of things off to the past because I'm uh, off at the past. I mean, uh, about the past. Uh, which is because as I'm listening to the explanation, I'm thinking to myself, I could see someone listening to this and going, well, this fa- this this property's been in in my family for you know four generations, and we know there's nothing wrong with it. I don't need any title. I don't need title insurance. Um, but that's not going to be the case, especially, I don't think it's the case in any circumstance, but it's certainly not going to be the case if there's a loan involved, right? Because lenders are going to require title insurance. Yes, sir. That's okay. correct. All right. So just. Yeah. And just because you've owned a property for four generations doesn't mean somebody inadvertently has not attached something to that title because once in a while that happens. Well, and it's not like generationally there's necessarily perfect dis- discussions. Yeah. Maybe they the didn't tell you everything. Yeah, about everything financial. I can tell you a number of times that someone has passed away and then we have found things on the title, um, which, by the way, you know, if you're working with, with us, we'll probably tell you that. But if you're working with a different realtor and someone has passed away, it is advisable to run that title very early Correct. in the process. Don't wait until you have a real estate contract because some of that stuff takes longer to clear up than others, especially when someone has passed away. And yes, skeletons come out of closets. And even if you do have a real estate contract in effect, get the title requests in as early as you can. Um, our company has a four-day, we like to say a four-day turn time. That's really what we strive for. doesn't happen in every instance, but that's what we're trying to do. Um, just because if you wait until the last two weeks to try to do that title search and find all of those skeletons that could possibly be there uh, that that could postpone closings and things like that. So, mm-hmm. so again, from that consumer's perspective, frequently that advice is really the advice that's that that should be going. Your agent should be taking care of that, or your agent should get that over there and ordered for yeah. title immediately. Yeah. Basically, so, like for example, um, we've got an offer on a house, and the day the offer was accepted, actually the next morning, I'm all I'm sending information to the escrow officer at title company at Security First. Uh, that that uh, I typically use. She's fantastic, and um, the um, but I do that day one. And I guess that's from a consumer standpoint. If you really want to dot I's and cross T's, you could ask your agent, "Hey, is this a title yet?" Uh, which would be the kind of thing to to push them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, or where very, am I going to be wise. signing docs at the end? I mean, that's right. kind of where it comes to. I, I kind of want to get to that process, but we'll kind of do it at the end because it's mm-hmm. near the end of sort of yep. that home ownership process. Is what is what is a person going to expect? But let's go back a little bit. Let's talk about some of the encumbrances, right, to, mm-hmm. that, that could end up being on a title, things that we may not think about. So there's some obvious ones to me. Uh, obviously, uh, there could be an old mortgage that somehow didn't get paid off, right, money owed. Or somebody forgot to release it. Uh, and so let's write them. If there is an old mortgage that has been paid off, it still has to be released and filed with, I think, the county, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. So look at there. Hey, score one for me. I halfway know what I'm talking about. 
what are some of the other things that are found when you research a title before you offer the insurance that, that aren't a, a mortgage on it? Mechanics liens. What, is so, that, what does that mean? Someone that has come in and made a repair or a remodel on a property that for whatever reason they didn't get paid. Um, things like uh, builder costs that maybe weren't paid those kinds of things. I've seen assessments. It, assessments. That weren't paid. I yeah. mean, they were supposed the to be paid. Taxes. Um, even sewer assessments mm -hmm. or sometimes even electric assessments. I've seen those. I don't see those very often. But once in a while, there's some agreement made somewhere along the line that somebody was supposed to be paying an amount quarterly or monthly or whatever it was, and then that person didn't pay it for whatever reason. And they may or may not remember even that they made that agreement at said time or they passed away or whatever it is. Um, and they should have should have disclosed that but forgot or whatever and that comes up water services assessments is another big one uh, think about someone that especially in this weather that would have a pipe break in the yard right so it's on the property the water company comes in and fixes it the homeowner's like hey it was fixed that's great and may or may not receive an invoice or a bill for that but that is something that is the homeowner's responsibility if they do not have coverage for that type of incident. Sure, we, we just actually um, recorded a podcast earlier today uh, with uh, Brandon Miller of APRO Home Inspections. We talked about the fact that homeowners are responsible for sewer all the way out to the city Street. sewer, right? And we didn't mention, but it's the same case for water coming in. Yes. But as you pointed out, frequently water departments will come fix that and then essentially bill you. Correct. Um, and you can tell them not to and have your own company do that, but most people don't have that that in their uh, uh, in their contact list. So um, that and you know, think about rental properties, different things like that. That bill may go to the property address, not the owners. Address so something that could get missed in, in the shuffle of time. Absolutely, right of ways is something else that we look for. I was going to ask about uh, that utility easements. Yeah, different uh, things uh, like that. People have something. access to the property, either government agencies, and then there are people that make agreements to give access to the property to other landowners around them. Correct. Driveway easements. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things. Just depends on whether they were recorded or not, but there's a lot of different things out there that that can come up. Right, yeah. so maybe if you're buying some acreage, what you don't realize is that grandpa or great-grandpa told, you know, the friend down the street that they could always drive through to get to their cattle's land sure. or whatever it is, and that's, you know, got recorded and is still in effect. Exactly. Properties that share driveways. Yeah, and you know, that's always a, how about properties that share garages? That's one of my, you know, we get down into like Waldo and We stuff. asked, yeah, that was yeah. an interesting one. I, I had not seen that before, but they had a shared garage in the... Yeah seller's disclosure and I'm like I wonder how this is going to shake out on title yeah I don't think the agent really had a good answer for us either, did they? They didn't, um, but it, it, it is shared property. And it's very common in, in uh, Waldo and Brookside here in Kansas City, uh, homes very. that were built in that era with, sh with shared garages. So, uh, It's also very common in family property where they put two or more homes on a, a family-owned property, but they'll have separate addresses and separate families living in those homes. And, you know, as families grow and, you know, things, however it works out, sometimes part of that property is sold off or one home is sold off uh, and, you know, not the other. And so what are we going to do with that shared with driveway? Stuff that we've shared, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got two acres and you build a house there and I build a house here because you're my, you know, favorite 
uncle, niece, nephew, brother, whatever it sure. is. Uncle Joe! Uncle Joe, good old Uncle Joe makes another appearance on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, we love Uncle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he was he, he was a quasi-home inspector before. Um, so I think I have that uncle, I'm not sure. <laughs> I could be that uncle for all I know. Oh, <laughs> no, nice. there you go. So, so the end result is uh, in a standard home transaction here in Kansas City, the, the end result is, is the title insurance. And so you, your company or a title company is insuring that there aren't any of these things. And then if something does pop up, something from the past pops up in the future, I had to think about how I was going to say that, then there is insurance that will cover that scenario. Correct. Okay, so that's ultimately kind of what we're doing. And when we talk about time to close with our clients, we're like, okay, I've got the money and the mortgage company is ready to go. And they say, okay, well, why can't I have this house next week? Uh, Among the things that have to happen in that period from contract to close is this deep dive that a title company does to, to make sure that the deed or the, the title is free and clear, right? Correct. What, there, what kind of, how long does that kind of take? Do you have, I mean, I, I know it's going to vary, but what's a general? We uh, can do a typical preliminary title search within four days and have it done and completed. So that is someone on the backside that is a title examiner that is very prolific in being able to find that information. So we have the title examiner look at that. Once they have that information, then they pass that off to the escrow officer and the processor who then goes in and starts the regimen of the paperwork and all of those documents that you sign when you go and sit down at the closing table, that stack of, of items that have to be signed. And so. So what you're saying is, is that your company strives in four days to have that preliminary search done, which typically would reveal any major problems. Yes. Right, which is really important. And part of the reason why we use Security First is because getting that information early, because if there is a problem, sometimes they're not solvable in a day or a phone call or by writing. No, and as I was saying earlier, in in the passing of someone or or some claims, sometimes there's a process that requires you to run something in a newspaper for six weeks. Correct. And so the earlier you get this out of the way, the better off you are. And so, you know, not all title companies are created equal, quite frankly, and I've been in this business 20 some odd years, and I've seen title reports take 20 to 30 days to come out. And we like to do 30-day closings. Um, granted, they are getting pushed further out with this huge push of business in this this uh, unheard of era that we're in in multiple ways, right? I mean, um, the real estate business is at an all-time high, if you will, where transactions are pouring in. With an inventory of an all-time low. It's crazy. With, I know. It's absolutely crazy. Well, and refis. Are, the refis. Uh, refinances really, are a yeah. big part of title work as well, because when someone refinances, they want the same things that we're talking about. They want a clear title to make sure that their lien is the first priority on that title. So they work intricately with the lenders as well to make sure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed and all these things are coming about. But there are some things that can take a long time, unfortunately, in this process. And again, Jen, you mentioned it earlier, maybe there was something that didn't get recorded. Maybe that the past homeowner did pay off that mortgage and they have the paperwork to show, hey, I've, I've got my payoff oh, right yeah, here. Oh that's happened a lot but, actually. But that it's didn't amazing get re- that that recorded does... in, at the courthouse. Right, and, the, and then... the lender just has not 
properly done their side of when they were supposed to submit that release to the courthouse, because that actually does fall on the lender at that point where they should have submitted that release and gotten that to title yeah. or whatever, because there's an agreement that they're going to so. do it. But some, I, I don't know. Do you know the percentage on that? It happens more than you'd think, unfortunately. It's actually happened to me. Where See, it happens so, more than you think. It's uh, kind of yeah. crazy. A couple of houses ago, and, and uh, before I was in, in real estate, so I really was kind of clueless, and I got all this documentation along with a letter saying, we didn't file it, you have to do it yourself. Oh, my. Hmm. Yeah, and there was some reason for it, and I, you know, knowing me, I probably still have the documents, but... But yeah, so I mean, I, that that's sort of how I knew, like before I even got into the industry, that hey, you know, this has to go down the courthouse because when we went to go sell it, I had to go down to the courthouse. Which can be very scary for someone if you know you have a hundred or two hundred or three hundred thousand dollar loan that wasn't released off of something, and they're saying essentially almost you still owe it, and it might have come off your credit, but then it's still sitting somewhere in paperwork land saying you still owe it somewhere because it wasn't released. Or what if it was even a past owner before you owned it? Mm-hmm then, you know, that's a whole nother paper trail. That's a whole nother chase. Takes a little that, time. That, you know, and so you think about during times of COVID, the winter snap that we're going through right now where courthouses are closing, we are losing power because of, you know, rolling blackouts and, and that sort of thing. All of that even adds more time to the long time that that could already take for that paper trail. Mm -hmm. So having a title company that can move fast find the problems if there are any early early in the process mm -hmm. you know hopefully the house that you're doing a transaction on has no problems but if it does right then getting them early is is paramount to being able to, to close on time right on time being the projected date or the date that you want to close so it's important to, to choose that wisely and we'll talk about how you choose a title company here in a minute um, let's talk a little bit about because that's the primary focus of what a title company does, yes. which is I want to get title insurance. But it seems like from the perspective of a homeowner who's going to a title company to, to sign all of their documents, it seems like they're signing a lot more than they are just about, hey, here's what's going on with my title. And they are because title companies provide some other services in the real estate industry. Um, we we could start here early on so i've got a client they make an offer on a house that offer is accepted typically the first thing they're doing is, is they're giving away some earnest money mm -hmm. and that goes to title right so you know can we some of the subsidiary things that title companies i think mainly because of the position they're in uh that that sort of provide uh overall to the entire real estate industry if you think about it that mm -hmm. way so they they hold earnest money we do have escrow accounts because we are the neutral party. We are the we are in the middle, facilitating the paperwork, and we uh, you know typically we represent and work with a realtor with a certain company. Once in a while, we will close both sides. We will close the seller and the buyer, but not always. We do sometimes have split closings where one of the parties will go to another title company and half of the transaction will come to our title company and we also have to coordinate through the other title company to make sure that all of those things that we've been talking about up until now are all happening in the sequence that they are supposed to. And you provide assistance not only to sort of, I, I guess it would be the parties involved or the realtors involved for the escrow as a neutral party, uh -huh. um, but you also provide a pretty significant service for lenders because you're executing their paperwork, right? Correct. 
So, yes. uh, and then you're also executing all of the government required paperwork for home ownership and then doing all the filing. So it's not like all you guys do is issue a title insurance policy, right? You do so much more that is correct. for a homeowner. And that's why uh, uh, sort of understanding some of those pieces is, is helpful. I, and maybe a way to do that is let's just jump to uh, coming to close. And you mentioned something that I wanted to bring up, which is do you close with their title company. I'm a buyer right now. Let's just take that perspective. Mm -hmm. So the seller has already designated a title company saying, hey, if you're going to give us escrow, this is where it goes. Here's who I'm going to close with. Here's who's going to the company that's going to issue this title insurance policy, et cetera. Now, do I have to use that one as a buyer? All parties in the real estate transaction have the opportunity to choose whatever title company they would like to work with. A lot of times they will um, go with whomever their realtor has a, a you know, relationship, relationship with. with sure. um, but no, they can choose their own. They do not have to go with whomever the seller of the property is using. The only exception would be the cash transaction. The cash transaction needs to close with one title company. There's no lender involved and so um, you know, for me, when I have a cash transaction, I actually put it in the contract who we would like to use. I put it in additional terms and conditions. But that does become important because you just need to make sure all parties are on the same page. And at that point, both people will be in some fashion going to one title company. Yeah, because it can come become quite convoluted if you have. You don't want to split that up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a good thing. Now, this is pretty uncommon. Uh, we actually we've talked about it also with choosing a home inspection company. Um, um, which is home buyers and sellers you, choosing who to use themselves without. Um, so maybe this is a question for you, Jen, kind of like we talked about in, in home inspections. If a client comes to you and says, I prefer security first title or I prefer XYZ title company, th that's okay for them to do that, right? Yeah, if you have a relationship with somebody like their cousin is the escrow officer or something, that's who they want closing that transaction. That's that trusted source that they have. As long as there's no major glaring uh, fraud flags or something like that, because that's where title could get really hairy. And and now in this day and age, it's been um, honed down a lot more. There There's more regulation for better or for worse. In this case, I would say for better. But um, there used to be some fly-by-night title companies, and this is the fiduciary that will have all the money. So we want to make sure that that money is accounted for. We don't want $250,000 of a lender's or a buyer's down payment just disappearing into thin air. So as long as it's reputable, absolutely, we understand that you want a sissy Sue cousin to well, close you. For whatever reason, it's potentially somebody that, um, you know, maybe a, yourself or a family member does business with um, outside of personal mortgages. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever reason. that. It, so again, kind of like we talked about with home inspectors, which is, if you, as a consumer, have a title company that you would prefer to use, by all means, tell your real estate agent that. Yeah, let's get that out early. Let's talk about that in the beginning. You know, And honestly, this is something that goes on um, if you're, you're representing a seller. This is a, something we talk about early on because we do put that information on our realtor contracts with our clients. So, And, and so you're hoping that when you ask your realtor, hey, do you have a preference in title company? They're recommending one for the same reasons that Jen and I do, which is, you know, that they're they're responsive, that they get their work done, that they're on time, 
um, that you know it's not two days before close, and all of a sudden, oh hey, there's a lien on this house. By that we the didn't way, take. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So the, you know we're finding that information out early, um, and uh, I tend to recommend that. And I, I'll be honest, I, I don't even know because we'll talk about money here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't even exactly know exactly like to the penny how competitive you guys are because it doesn't matter because what's much more important to me and my clients than fifty or a hundred bucks is the fact that we're getting all of this information in a timely manner so we can react to it. Um, within reason it matters, Eric. But they are within reason. Yeah, yeah. With it, yeah. No, I say the yes. 50 or 100 bucks. We're or, not paying $5,000 yeah. for title insurance. Sorry. Well, no. Unless it's a really, really expensive property, which we can all hope to have that problem. Yeah. It's going yeah. to have to be real expensive. Yes, uh, real, yes. real. We're talking almost a billion dollars probably for a $5,000 title policy. I don't, so, we, we always research that. What's a, what does a billion dollar title policy cost? I'm sure Bill Gates has one, right? Gosh, I would think so. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm, I hamsters on the that. wheel over here. I might have to look into that. <laughs> what? What? Um, so we because the problem is is that the 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 homeowner, the typical homeowner, gets to the closing table, mm-hmm. and not only are they looking at at a variety of fee sheets that don't tend to make a whole lot of sense, um, and so they end up you know, and, and they're explained a good escrow closer. Um, uh, will go through it line by line. This is what this fee is, and this is what this fee is, et cetera, et cetera, if somebody cares, or frequently they'll just do it out of a matter of course if they're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been, you know, with some really great escrow closers, and but but you're in the moment. You you are you are nervous about this transaction. You might be moving that day or the next day. You've got to coordinate this, that, and the other. Uh, you've got, you know, you got, I got the pets to deal with and I got movers coming in in an hour and I'm taking off work, but I have to go back and answer these three. So, I mean, just in that moment, that's sometimes the only education they get about uh, all of the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about just in general fees. What kind of money are people looking at? And, and I know it does vary, but there's some consistent themes or consistent areas of, uh, or amounts even that people are paying when they're paying for their title insurance and the various fees associated with us? Well, let me start by saying that a lot of it has to do with the amount that they are borrowing and or the cost of the property. So a lot of it is a calculation based on that. So I'm not able to be real exact because those are going to vary from transaction to transaction. However, we do have... um, fees for the title search. We do have fees for um, producing the policy. We have recording fees. Sometimes we have overnight fees and things like that. A pretty decent round figure just here in the Kansas City metro area. And again, we're not talking that billion dollar house. That, Something, you know, you know 250000 kind of typical sale. They could expect anywhere from, I don't know, $800 up to $1,500, again, you know, depending on the cost of the property and the and that's economics in the title of insurance. the area. And title the, insurance, settlement fees, closing protection letters, um, recording wiring fees, fees wire, recording mm, fees, mm-hmm. overnight sure. fees. Yep, because the courthouse does charge some of this as well. So and this money gets allocated out to a lot of different places. Correct. Right, and that's part of the reason why there's this massive sort of fee list. And so everybody's trying to be transparent, but sometimes in that transparency, we we get some information overload. So very uh, much agreed. Yeah. Um, 
so that's kind of what you're looking at. But to me, at least for the closing table, when you come in and close, we'll talk about that process in a minute and, mm-hmm. and the way it was sort of uh, without COVID and, and the way it is with COVID, uh, or at least as we're hopefully fading away. Yes. But, but there's also all the, the bank fees, the mortgage fees, and all of those that are being described as well. So it kind of get lost. It gets lost in that sort of this big lump. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bank fees and the lender fees are included in our documents. Right. What I was talking about um, just a moment ago was the, what fees are collected by the title company for the title services and or recording services. Right, yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying is they're all blended together, so it's hard to see that this really Mm -hmm. only costs this much because it's the title company that's doing, hey, this is the check you need to bring because that's a great service they provide. Right. Now, when you are going, when you're sitting at the closing table with your closer or your escrow officer, everything is broke down line by line. It tells you exactly what it is. It tells you exactly if it's a lender fee, if it's a title fee, Mm -hmm. um, if it's a payoff to a past mortgage or a home improvement loan, different things like that. So it's all it's all very, very descript. So let's talk about that process. It's closing day, and I'm going to um, a title company to close. Mm-hmm. Let me start out with the way it frequently could happen prior to COVID. And then when COVID came along, lots of things have changed. The rules are starting to relax, right? We're recording this uh, almost a year into COVID now. But it's also sort of changed some of the opportunities that people get comfortable with. So sure. what would typically happen or a very common happening uh beforehand is is that you would come to the title company uh, I uh, many and I certainly as an agent would be there with you to again just the person you've been talking to through all of this uh, to help explain if there's any more questions to because I probably know you a lot better than the escrow closer I've spent a lot more time with you Um, and then frequently sometimes your lender would also be in the room to ask answer any questions you have about their fees and the mortgage and that kind of stuff, along with either your escrow officer or a closer, somebody designated who does this really well from the title company. Mm-hmm. And there would be a stack of papers, right? Some of which are stuff to record with um, the, the county, some of which are required by the mortgage company, some of which are the title insurance, et cetera, et cetera. And they would go through and explain every single one and sign them. So at some mm-hmm. level that happens. But with COVID that changed. Um, and we started doing things where all these extra people that were there to give you support if you needed it couldn't be there. Correct. Um, where are we now? Well, right now, um, you know, being we're hoping towards the end of the COVID crisis, where we are at right now, excuse me, we can offer, um, somebody could be with us on FaceTime. So we could have the the lender, the um, realtor there on a FaceTime call in case there is an issue. We can do curbside closings if someone is not comfortable coming into our office. However, we follow very strict COVID protocols in how we um, handle a closing and how we handle even the closing room before and after we have customers and clients in. Um, again, we can do curbside closings. We can do remote closings in the event. I've, I've done COVID closings personally, where I will take the stack of documents with descriptions of what everything is. I will put it on the porch. I will ask you to wear a mask and gloves and have disposable pens and things like that. I will leave it on the porch. I will sit in my car. I will watch you sign it from your front door. 
I will, we also provide the FedEx envelopes and things so that once you have those signed, you can put that in the FedEx envelope. And then we ask that that uh, buyer actually take that to the drop-off site and drop that off, and we have those documents mailed back to our office. Because uh, the information that we have is that when you are talking paper products, that COVID does not, uh, can live about 24 hours. So because I have sat in my car and watched the, the buyers sign their documents, I will go into the office the next day. Uh, I, tr- I always wait a minimum of 24 hours. Oh, so and, these, are, these are... And I will go back she and She said a literal COVID closing. People who actually have COVID. Correct. Okay. And then I will go in and I will notarize those documents. Okay. Th- saying that, yes, I have... You've seen them, you've seen it sealed, you've seen it put away, so there's the, a Correct. chain of evidence, if you will. Exactly. I watch too many crime shows. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, so we offer those services. Uh, we also offer mobile notary services. Now, we those are kind of the one-off things. You know, somebody, uh, if Jen came in and said, hey, I need a mobile notary for XYZ, can somebody help me out and, and go to a separate location and notarize for us. Yes, we can do that. We don't do it for the general public. That's not something that we just offer. It's better to have the closer close the transaction that's familiar with it. A mobile notary is going to be not as familiar with the documents, but they can notarize. Yeah. We've we've had to have mobile notaries do closings before and um, it's fine. It's okay. It's just the the level of knowledge that comes with the documents that these people are signing is is not necessarily there it's simply a service to notarize those signatures to get it back to exactly you know. it's it's not ideal mm-hmm. that it is something but it's that we available can just in case if we need to okay so we're running out of time i want to ask you the question that i ask everybody who sits in the chair over there or joins us remotely which is what's the craziest thing you've seen in in real estate and i know you have a long background in real estate so um, this I could do, be anything. Yeah, I do have a long background in real estate. I, I was a realtor, still am a realtor, but uh, sold uh, real estate for a number of years prior to uh, some of my other things that I've done within the real estate industry. Probably the, the one that sticks out the most, I guess, is walking into a home that had been abandoned and they did not do a clean out or what would now be called a trash out when someone just abandons their property. So there were pans on the stove that had maggots in them and crawling around Uh. just because literally somebody was preparing dinner, it looked like, turned off the stove, grabbed whatever personal (laughs) belongings they wanted and left. So I, you know, I bring in my buyers who are looking to do rehabs and that sort of thing. And maggots for dinner. It was just incredible. (laughs) It it was unbelievable is what it was. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen a couple of those houses, too. I saw one time with um, adult diapers were left in a room. Nice. mm -hmm. Yeah. Hoarding situations are always interesting. Yeah, the hoarders are, they're they're incredible. Yeah. Wow. Well, so we're out of time. Thank you so much for being on. Tell me, you bet. Let, let our listeners know if they want to learn more, if they want to do an interview with you guys to find out if you're the right title coming. How do they get a hold of you at Security First Title? Uh, you can reach me, Shauna Pyfram, at securityfirst.com or S-P-Y-F-R-O-M at security1st.com. Or my phone number is 816 816- 
642-4930. We also have a website, securityfirst.com. They can go there and get lots of information. And we have a, a fantastic app if we have realtors out there that would like to have, um, you know, ease in finding information or uh, creating marketing materials and things like that. Our app is fantastic. It has 13 calculators on it for different things that buyers may ask while you're out meeting with them or in properties, things like that. We have flyers, uh, video that is all available for them to personalize and uh, send out to their clients and or, you know, put on their Facebook, Instagram, different things like that. Awesome. Awesome. Thank thanks you so, so much. much. Thank thanks, you. For, thanks for letting me be here. All right. Enjoyed it. All right, everybody, that's all we have for today. So until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.